All right, welcome back to the Joe Cozo Show. We have lots to talk about. I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert, have you been through what I've been through in the past month? You'd be, you'd be crazy, too. All right. Adam Cohen Paisan. <laughs> Make sure you're talking closer to that mic. Remember that. we got to get you there. Adam, how you doing, brother? Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? You know, what are you doing? Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Manhattan, New York, but currently I'm staying with my dad in bed before I move out in a few weeks, and I just graduated college. I'm also a professional baseball broadcaster. I always wanted to be a baseball player growing up, and until I was 18 years old, I took a a gap year in Israel, and that's when I started to get into broadcasting, and I've had a few broadcasting internships after that, three amateur, and then last year at a seasonal position with the Erie Seawolves, the Detroit Tigers AA affiliate, and just the other day I accepted an offer to be the voice of the Tri-City Valley Cats, professional team at the Frontier League, which is just below affiliate baseball. Oh, I love it. Look at you. So baseball is your thing. You said you lived in Manhattan. What part? I lived on the Upper West Side growing up, like 106th Street. Oh, there's a lot of money over there. <laughs> there's a lot of money over the Upper West Side. Yeah, not too bad. How long was it then until you moved out? You know, How old were you when you moved out of Manhattan? So I guess that was when I went to Israel. So it was only a few months after I graduated high school. I took a gap year between high school and college. It was in August of 2018, so I was 18 years old. So you went to high school in, in Manhattan. Yeah. How well, was that? How was going to school? Did you go to a public school, PS1? Did you do a private school? Well, actually, I went to a high school, or my middle school and my elementary schools were both in Manhattan, but my high school was in Queens. So it was Bard High School, early college, Queens. How did, so you had to take a train. Yeah, two trains. Two trains. What did you have to take? The seven over to, right, and over to uh, Long Island City, and then what did you do from there, or whatever did you do, a Woodside or something? I took the one from 103rd to 42nd Street, Times Square, and then the seven to Court Square. So. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, how was that though? Like that sounds like that, that. That sounds like a pain in the ass. You know, I've always been a really good traveler. So you just throw on some AirPods in, and you just kind of ride the wave on the train for about 50 minutes or so, and you get there, and sometimes I even run to my friends in the subway. I always went back home with them, too, and it made the ride a lot more enjoyable. Oh, so you had friends. You were taking the train with friends. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah. Right? And what time would you have to actually wake up to get ready to go to school in Queens, and then what time would you, you know, finally be, say, in homeroom or your class, your first class? How how long did that take? So it usually took me about fifty minutes on the train or so. Fifty, yeah, five zero, and Jesus, yeah. It is but the thing is, my school did not start till nine a.m. Because we had people coming from the Bronx, Manhattan, Queens, and Brooklyn, all to Long Island City. It's a school that wants people in the first generation coming to the States, usually parents coming from other countries, of course, and it focused on them getting a higher education. Like I left high school with my associate's degree. So it's a really good education, happy to go there, and I still got to wake up pretty decently late if I wanted to, if I wanted to get there on time. And then I would usually come home after either playing baseball. I got to coach high school softball at my school because we didn't have a baseball team. It's only been around since 2008. Or I'd play table tennis. And by the time I graduate, we're actually eighth in New York City in table tennis as well. Oh, I love table tennis is hard. You see those guys. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Do you ever play pickle? 
Pickleball? I think I may have played once or twice with my grandpa in Florida. They're playing that a lot in Manhattan now. All over those parks there, they play it. So... Tell me though about you know life growing up in Manhattan as a you know as a high schooler. Did you you know here on Long Island when I would grow up, I play in the street. We're around the corner. We're playing hockey in the street. We're playing football in the street. We're hanging out in the woods. We're getting in trouble. We're doing all these things. But Manhattan is it's totally different. There's you can't hang out in the street and play roller hockey in the streets of Manhattan. Like so, what would you do? Well, what isn't there to do to Manhattan? Because anytime I wanted to see a friend, there's always a new restaurant to go to. It's true. And everyone comes to Manhattan because I used to go to Jewish sleepaway camp when I was younger. So if I had friends who were coming into the city, then I could just go and meet up with them. A lot of times I would hang out at Dave and Buster's, for example, or I knew a couple of good restaurants downtown. But I just had access to so much, and you can't beat your lo- local delis and all that. No, you can't. You ever go to Cat's Deli? I have not. Really? Yeah. It's the biggest Jewish delicatessen. In oh, wait, no, cat, wait. Cat's Deli. It's a delicatessen. It's with the um, pastrami sandwiches. I was thinking, like, more how you go into, like, a local deli shop, like, across the street, and it's just, they don't have any tables or anything, and then you give you the sandwiches or whatever you want in there. But Cat's Deli, yeah, I, I think I've been there once or twice. Yeah, it's it's down on the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. But, all you know, it's pastrami up the up the wazoo. You know, the sandwiches are, like, four, f- whatever. It's it's really, it's Cat's Deli. Look at that pastrami sandwich. Oh, my God. Yes. It's famous. It's a famous Jewish deli. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, so far, Jewish school, Jewish sleepaway camp. I figured you had to go to the Jewish, yeah. famous Jewish pastrami place but you did not um so jewish sleepaway camp how is that is there girls there yeah there was that's fun yeah it was i've never been orthodox i've always been a cultural jew okay and i think there's a lot of jews like that it just means non-religious jew and it's interesting because this camp they we still had shabbat and they would sing the prayers and all that and i wasn't really used to that until i was about nine when my dad married my stepmother or my still i still call her a stepmother but she's no longer married to my dad and she's a rabbi so I, I was starting to get used to kind of being indoctrinated into that life. I had my bar mitzvah as well right after I went to sleepaway camp and all that. But, yeah, they would do Shabbat. We would say blessings over the meal. But besides that, it was, it was pretty normal. Seder. I went to a Seder. It was horrible. <laughs> it was as bad as can be. Sebastian Maniscalco, he says it on his uh, – and you know who that comedian is? Sebastian Maniscalco. So he was saying how he thinks how bad Seder is. He was talking about it, and he said that Italians should cater Seder because the food there, and I had it one time. I went, it was like parsley <laughs> and egg. Horseradish. Horseradish. And I'm like, where, where's the meatballs? Where's the, the, you know, the gabagoo? Whatever. That, you know, where is all the food? Where's all the good stuff here? It was crazy. It really was. So you're saying, though, that you, told, you're like, you know, big sports fan, big baseball guy. Who was your, what was your team growing up, and who did you love? Like, what players? So I grew up a Yankees fan. It's actually a pretty interesting story. So I had this guy I knew in kindergarten. His name I even remember his name. His name is Alexander Harrison. And he was talking to this other guy about baseball and about the Yankees specifically. I asked him who and what he was talking about. He told me to shut up. Pretty pretty big words in kindergarten, of course. And then I go to my dad. He's actually a Mets fan. And I asked him who the Yankees were. He told me about it. And I became a Yankees fan from there on out. Even though your father is a Mets fan. Yeah. But he's a very, very passive person. Even when the Mets were in the World Series in 2015, all I could do was, yay, and that's it. That's all you get out of him. Yeah, not a lot of you know enthusiasm. No. So who was your favorite player growing up? It was Alex Rodriguez. 
Really? But when he had the biogenesis scandal, I couldn't like him anymore after that. Alex Rodriguez over Derek Jeter. Wow. I know, right? That is interesting. And what about, so, you know, when you said that you wanted to be a baseball player growing up, did you play ball when you were younger? Yeah, I played baseball until I lived in Israel when I was 18. I worked for the Israel Association of Baseball there and got to play there as well. But, yeah, I played in West Side Little League. I played in Yorkville, very two well-known leagues in Manhattan. What? How was it that, so you went to... I mean, you went to sleepaway camp, you went to a high school that was over an hour away, and then when you graduated high school, you went to Israel. Mm -hmm. And how long were you there for? I was there for 10 months. How was that? How was the experience of going there? Like, were you forced, or was that something, like, did your father say, hey, we're Jewish, and you're going to go and do a sabbatical, was it a sabbatical, right? Yeah. Basically, for... 10 months in Israel and you don't have a choice or was it something that you said yes I cannot wait to get to Israel so my original choice was I want to take a gap year so I can get better at baseball so I can play at college so I can go pro afterwards and that was my thought process and we found a place in Israel where I could play and they only have two fields in all of Israel about a thousand people in Israel know about baseball and yet there's actually a current pitcher named Dean Kramer who pitches in the Orioles system who played in the very same baseball fields that I was at. And of course, they're doing really well in the Olympics, uh, and they also are part of the World Baseball Classic, which is great. Baseball is definitely growing there. But when I had to take the train station out from Tel Aviv, which is where I lived, out to this place called Petatifa, about 20 minutes away, what we do is we'd bring our baseball gear, of course, and they thought my bat was a tennis racket, or they thought it was a weapon. So they would hold me up before I'd go on the train until... I could actually argue with them because that's how you gain their respect there. These guys with machine guns, and then they let me through, and I'll get to go to where I need to go. So it's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't sound uh, too great trying to get <laughs> arguing guys with guns. Yeah. Because that's what they want you to do. It sounds like a trap to yeah. me. So you go play baseball. What position did you play? I was mostly an outfielder. Outfield, left field, right field, center? Left field. Okay. And so you go over there. And what else are you doing there? Like, it, what, Tel Aviv, I heard, is beautiful. Mm -hmm. The girls there are absolutely gorgeous. That is true. I mean, did you... I tried. I was 18 at the time. Okay, hey, listen. my first illegal drinks there. Hey, listen, if you're not up there swinging, you're never going to hit the ball. There we that's go. That's right. That's, the, that's, that's, what, that's how I used to look at it. For me, it's always a numbers game. I would look in the mirror. I'd say, all right, listen, this is, this is what you're working with. So you better deal with it. And my, th my theory was, like baseball, if I ask out 10 girls and three say yes and seven say no, that's not really good percentage, but still no bad 300. You're still in the Hall of Fame. And then I, you're still in the Hall of Fame, is right. And then I looked at it like, I really only need one. One yes. That's it. One out of 10. I'll take it. And that's the end of it. So that was me. It was always a numbers game with me with dating. So you're there playing baseball, though. And that's only like a couple of years ago, right? Four years ago. Yeah. So what happened? I mean, obviously, somebody must have told you, hey, listen, Adam, uh, this dream of yours of baseball probably is not going to work out. Or was it that you said that? I said that. But I think I always knew that I would have to hang up my cleats one day. I knew that I'd never be pro because I'm only five foot three. I was 120 pounds at the time. I got the college 20, essentially. So I weigh a little bit more now. But I never could throw harder than 75, but I hit that as a freshman in high school. So I figured that I would have a shot, but I just couldn't 
gain up my arm strength there. And I think it's because I was a little bit wild on the mound still at the time. So my coach had me transfer to outfield, and I didn't really argue with him. I was a very passive person. I still kind of am a passive person. And when he told me that switch, I'm like, okay. And I never could really hit. So I didn't pitch for a while, and then I didn't really do enough about it. So my arm kind of plateaued, and by the time I was in Israel, I really could barely hit 70 miles per hour. I was mostly sitting in the 60s. And you can't even play Division three college, which is where Allegheny College was. That's where I graduated from. I couldn't even play there. So about three months into Israel, I realized I cannot make it there. What am I going to do for the rest of the time that I'm here? And, and then how did you, you know, how did you parlay? Hey, first of all, that's a hard decision to do, right? You got you to have a conversation with yourself and say, hey, listen, it's time to face reality. You're not going to be a baseball player. So you're going to have to figure out something else to do. Was it just an easy transition from baseball player to baseball broadcaster? No, it was very, very difficult for me. And you asked before about what your days were like. When I had to show up and play baseball there, half the days were instructing kids who were 12 or younger and just coaching them or umpiring. But most of the days were was doing that and then playing a game for about three hours or so. And that was it. I didn't have to show up until 4 p.m. So I didn't have anything to do during the day. And I was trying to get myself to go to the gym more. Always hate the gym, but I was trying to. And when I realized I couldn't play baseball anymore, I would just lay in my bed until 4 p.m. each day when I had to start prepping for work. And I did that for about three months until I started to kind of make this transition into realizing like, I still want to be in sports and life has to go on. But luckily, I had a friend there named Dallas DeFrancesco, still really good friends, and he's one of my best another friends. Another Jew? Yeah, another Jewish guy. Is he Jew? Yeah. Oh, dude, I thought it was Italian. Well, his dad's Italian, but his mom's okay. Jewish. His mom's oh. from Israel. All right, there so there we go. go. There you go. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I forgot that there's two parents. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think but of that. But diaspora is real. <laughs> yeah. So, so you did that, and you said, you know what? And that's great, though, because basically, you're still doing baseball. You're still in something that you love. But that's a whole different animal now. Like I told you before we started, you know, I... I majored in sports broadcasting in college, and you have to know a lot. You have to know every player. You have to know the coaches. Did you start saying to yourself, "I got to start studying everything"? Because you know you're a Yankee fan, but that's not going to cut it. Because now you got to be a Marlins fan. You have to be a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. You have to know everything on every team. It wasn't really like that was the biggest problem for me because I always knew kind of about every team. I was someone who, when I was 12 years old, and I still know it to this day, you can quiz me if you'd like, I know all the World Series winners and losers from the very first one in 1903. You do? Yeah. And even when I was younger, I also knew the Hall of Famers, and I knew the Cy Young Award winners, and the MVPs. How would you do that? Would you put it on flashcards and walk around with it? I would have it on a cell spreadsheet. I would print it out, and I would just look at it. And it took me about five hours for the... World Series winners and losers, and then eight and a half hours for the Hall of Famers. Okay, let's let's do a little quiz. Yes. I have it pulled up here. You said the World Series winners from any year is what you said, right? Yes. yes. I have the answer sheet pulled up here. If you pull a year, I can tell you if he's right or not. Okay, all right. So let's go into 1948. 48, Indians beat the Braves. Indians beat the Braves. Yes. In 19, and and do, is, do you know how many games? Holy shit. I don't know how many games, but it was the Boston Braves. And, and that was the last time the Indians won a World Series. 1969. Mets beat the Orioles. 1935. Nailed it. Tigers beat the Cubs. Eric? 35. Nailed it. <laughs> 1981. Dodgers beat the Yankees. Hold on. 
I know that one. Yeah. I know that one. That was a terrible one. Oh, yeah, of course. 1903. Boston Americans beat the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, my God. That's the earliest one I could find on the list. 1924. 24 Senators beat the Giants. Look at you. (laughs) Do you know, can you go deeper with anything? MVPs? Is there anything else that you have up your sleeves over there that you could just pull like an encyclopedia? Maybe some Hall of Fame years, but it's... I just haven't done that in a while, so I can't get them all. So besides, you know, I like this. I, this is good. Um, who who's your who do you think is the best player to ever play baseball? I would have to go with Babe Ruth, just because he pitched and hit, and he was a person who really ended the dead ball era as well. But he's not the best two-way player ever. That title now belongs to Shohei Otani, of course. Yeah, I know, and he's crushing it. Yeah, yeah. What a, he's such he's such a great player. What about? Um, who do you think is the all-time stolen base leader? Like, not saying, not by statistics. Who do you think was the best stolen base player? It's hard to go against Ricky Henderson. He has the record. Yeah, he obviously, yeah, he has the record. I guess Vince Coleman was always a really good one because when he was in his first few years, he had 100 stolen bases. And I think that was either one of the first few times it was broken or even the first time it was broken. And he was just a crazy talented rookie. Couldn't really do anything else but steal bases, but... Man, was he fast. Yeah, he was fast. Yeah, he was great, Vince Coleman, on the Cardinals. And what about the best arm? Who do you think, what players, give me a couple of players that you know have the best arm in the outfield. Well, you also always have to go back to highlights. So Roberto Clemente, for example, you see even highlights of his plays in the 70s, and he just has a cannon from right field, able to gun out someone from the track to the wall all the way to third base, all the way home, and you have to put in Vladimir Guerrero Sr. in that mitts too. Oh, yes. He was absolutely great. Jesse Barfield. Do you know Jesse Barfield? Yeah, I do. Dave Winfield. Mm -hmm. Dave Winfield had a great arm as well for the New York Yankees in right. It was absolutely fantastic. All right, so now we're back to television. First of all, I mean, any any action at all in Tel Aviv? <laughs> any dates? You trying? But well, I even had female roommates at one point, Oof. and I, I wanted to. I, but tough have tough living with a female roommate, especially if you're attracted to them. Yeah, no, it was funny. A couple of them were decently attractive. I mean, I had two female roommates and then three guy roommates. And the guy roommate, he was just like half a year older than me. He had a condom tree in his a room. A condom tree. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, he had pennies underneath this bamboo condom tree. And the thing is, he got to use it. He got to use it on the hottest girl in the program. Oh, gotta give it to him. Yeah. Tip your hat. Yeah, and he's from Germany. And then, yeah, pretty much everyone there was from a different area. Actually, my person who I lived in my room, because we had two people per room, three rooms, he was from South Africa. And I can talk about this more later. I can talk about this now. But I just came back from a three-week intensive course to help me with my speech in South Africa. And I got to see him for the first time in four years. He was in the South African program after being in Tel Aviv? No, no, no. But he lived in Johannesburg. I was in Pretoria. So I went to Joburg in an Uber. And I got to see him for the oh, first time. Oh, you guys set it up to see yeah. each other. Oh, that's cool. I like that. That was that's, that, that must have been something else, especially in another... Uh, country yeah it was wonderful he's a really good guy has some really good songs he had this uh one song called thank you that's also on spotify good singer and he actually just moved to canada almost a week later he's engaged now which is crazy well wait hold on a second so now let me think about this so how long ago were you into uh, tv four years ago yeah also right before covid yeah wow because that wouldn't have happened then you just missed it Mm -hmm. right and then you came back to the states and then covid hits yeah. Right? My freshman year of college. How was that? It was tough. 
It was tough. When the pandemic was first starting to come out, when it was breaking out in China, and they told us to pack our stuff up and go home, I left a lot of my stuff behind at school. Wait, wait, wait. when you say t- pack your stuff up and go home, where were you? I was at Allegheny College, and, and where that's is that? in Meadville, Pennsylvania. It's about 45 minutes away from Erie and an hour and a half away from Pittsburgh. Oh, so they said pack it up, go home. Yeah, but you could leave your stuff behind for the next semester. And I'm like, oh, I'll probably be back here in two weeks because this isn't serious. Yeah. And it's... then meanwhile, they break some of my posters or rip some of them and don't organize it well. And I come back in the fall and everyone has to wear a mask even when we have to walk over to the shower three doors down. It was crazy. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. And were you doing sports broadcasting in college? I did. So how... So you know, while you're doing that there, is that when you really felt like in love with sports broadcasting and saying, you know what, I really want to do this? Because we were talking about before when you were having having to make that choice and putting, you know, hanging up your cleats, so to speak. You know, was it, is that what you said? I'm going to go to college to do sports broadcasting after your gap year and, you, and that was it? There was nothing else that you wanted to do? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my college didn't have sports broadcasting, so I was a communications major. And before I declared my major, I wanted to do this major, it was new there, called Integrative Informatics, which is a mix of communications and computer science. And I'm like, oh, like maybe I can help make my own statistics and be an analyst guy if broadcasting doesn't work out. And I got A's in my computer science classes, but I still had no idea what I was going to do with that, and I did not really understand it. So when I got there, I was like, all right, most of what I do on the side is going to help me. And... I originally started out with Broadcasting Israel, just broadcasting Yankee games on my computer on a YouTube channel I created for myself, and just practice. Oh, so you were doing, you were practicing, and you created this YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Is you still have? Is it on? Yeah, it's called Yankees from Israel. Yankees from Israel. Yeah. And this is you practicing, and you're doing actual calling. You're calling of plays, right? Yeah. And that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. All right, let's see if we could pull that up. Yankees from Israel. Now. Who's your, do you have any favorite broadcasters that you like idolize that you grew up saying, hey, listen, this guy, I really like the way he sounds or, you know, I like to try to emulate my style over, you know, towards this? Well, I remember you saying earlier that you're also a Yankees fan, so you're going to be familiar with these names. John Sterling and Michael Kay were people I grew up watching, so I always had an affinity for them. Always, but, you know, they're more radio at the time, especially John Sterling. Yeah. Are you Elisa, I mean, are you Suzanne Woolman? <laughs> She's okay. Yeah, I met her. I told you um, I was interning over at WFAN, and I met her. And I, you know, I said, "Hi, this woman. My name is Joe." She goes, "Excuse me. I I earned the right to be called Susan." And I was like, oh, "I was like this whole female thing." And I was like, "Okay," and it didn't really go over well. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. All right, so here we are, Yankees from Israel. So those interviews that you're seeing. Right after Israel, I got my first broadcasting internship. Israel was more just coaching. I did get to coach the 18-year-old All-Star game there, but I mostly just had these interviews. There's my buddy Dallas. He now is the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, Major League Video Coordinator. And he Which also, video is that under? That's under episode 11. Okay. And you can tell. I have no sense of lighting. I'm just doing it just to get reps and to just talk to my are friends. You, are, you, are you calling any games? You said you were practicing yeah, calling Yeah, if you games. go way back on the feed, then... You'll, you'll see some of it, or if you go down to videos. Oh, go to videos. There we yeah. go. Oh, maybe it's not there. Maybe it's on live, but I did call them at some point. Can we see any of these? I mean, oh, there we go. What's this? 
Yeah, that's me at my home. But, uh, yeah, if you go Rockies down, at yeah, game that, two. If you go like Orioles at Yankees games one and two, I'm just sitting outside. You see, I'm doing both games. I wake up about one thirty in the morning. Is that three hours? Yeah. What are you doing for three hours on a video on YouTube? Just calling the game off MLB TV. Are you serious? Yeah. Can we hear one of those? Just let me just sure. It sounds of... so bad though. All right, whatever it is, Rocky, whatever one. That's fine. Your right preference. There. Uh, I guess do the Orioles-Yankees game, because I was actually in Israel at the time. Go. Yeah. All right, let's see what kind of style. Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> I'm back after a short... Go days. right into the middle of it. Get right into and, the juice. Uh, Yankees are finally playing the Orioles. Body and, you know, not the easiest of plays, but made it look pretty easy. So, one away. And I'd be uh, scorecarding it, too. Okay, scorecarding yes, it, too. All right, take that off. <laughs> this is, uh, 47, and you see, my hair's all schmoey, and... The lighting is terrible because I'm outside. I had no perception of what I was doing, even in my first broadcasting internship. And that's what you saw on the TSL archives on my channel as well, Tidewater Summer League. I was the first broadcaster in their 76-year history. It's out in Norfolk, Virginia. And it wasn't until after that year when I joined the Northwoods League. You've probably heard of the Cape Cod League, I'm guessing. Yes. Right? So there's another league that kind of rivals it called the, Nor the Northwoods League. And that's out in the Midwest. And I was in Rockford, Illinois for a summer internship broadcasting, and I was with this guy who's really good. He's now the High A Marlins affiliate broadcaster, the Beloit Skycar. His name's Larry Larson, and he teaches me everything that I now know today about broadcasting. So there's almost like an underground group of people all trying to make it into professional broadcasting. So you guys are, not only are the players going through the minor league system, but the broadcasters are too. Exactly. Right? So you're starting off at a, you know, single A ball affiliate, something like that, maybe the Long Island Ducks or whatever it is, and you're trying to work your way to say single A, double A, triple A, just like the umpires are doing too. Right? So you don't I don't even you, I never even thought of that that you guys are doing that. Yeah, no one does. It's this whole secret industry that no one talks about that stuff or what they go through. And it's also not linear like the minor league players because, for example, I started last year, my first professional season, as I mentioned before, with the Erie Seawolves, the AA affiliate for the Detroit Tigers. I was the number two broadcaster. You would think the next logical step would be, oh, I'm the lead broadcaster, at least in that league. But now I'm a lead broadcaster in Indie Ball, which is not even affiliated baseball. But that's a higher position because now I get to run the show for a professional team. And there's teams, or broadcasters rather, in Indie Ball who then get signed up to AAA because they're just this hidden gems that have been with teams for about 10 years and someone finds them after enough years or they reach out to the right guy and make the right connections and boom, they're back in affiliated baseball. Is there any players that you know now that are in the minor leagues that you sit there and say, oh, this guy is a hidden gem. He's going to make it. He's going to be a stud. Yeah, so there's this player actually on the San Francisco Giants. His name is Wilmer Flores. He has a brother. Wilmer Flores. Yep. Yeah, I know. Guess what his brother's name is? Flores Wilmer? Wilmer Flores. <laughs> is it serious? Yeah, and they have a third brother also named Wilmer Flores, and their dad is named Wilmer Flores. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. And I actually interviewed him on my website as well. So he is one of the guys that you think is a hidden gem. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any ball players that you were broadcasting that were in the minor leagues and now are in the majors? Yes, so there's Terry Carpenter, and Carpenter is one of the best 
prospect, so had one of the best seasons in a Tiger from a Tigers prospect in their history. He had 30 home runs in about 110 games in the minors last year, and I think he clubbed about 22 in 69 games for the Seawolves. Green is also great too in the minor league system there, but he's on the Riley Green. Yeah, well, but he's in the pros now. Yeah, and Kerry Carpenter's too. He's a guy who's now DHing for Miguel Cabrera. So, he's probably going to be taking over for him a lot more this season. Did you see Spencer Torkelson play at all? No, that was in 2021. Same with Green. Okay, yeah, but he got dropped down, so I don't know if he was in, if you got to see him in any minor league games or anything like that. I want to go back to the South Africa. I like what you're doing here. So, you're really trying to hone your skills, and you thought it would be a great idea to go to South Africa so you could practice on your voice skills, correct? Yeah. So, what is that all about? Explain that. So... It all kind of stemmed from my mentor last year of the Erie Seawolves. His name is Greg Ganya. He's broadcasted three major league games. He's been doing this for 20 years professionally. And you would think, oh, three games at the major league level is not a lot for someone who's doing this at 20 years. But a lot of people are stuck in indie ball or at levels in the minors for 40 years. I know, but never... it's not a bad gig. No, it isn't. But, you know, if i got to go to work and I'm going to go, I know that it's not the major leagues. I'm not doing the Houston Astros. I might be doing the Seawolves. But it's still... Beats a lot of other jobs, right? I mean, think about that. But go ahead, continue. And he told me, and within my first couple months there, you're a broadcaster who can't speak. So I took that personally, and I wanted to work on that. And I reached out. Tough pill to swallow. Yeah. How, like, how, how, how can you say that to someone who wants to be in the same field as you? But you have to respect him because he's, t- he's giving you tough love. Yeah, and that's he helped me grow as a person, too. He gave me tough love, and... He also made me the broadcaster I am today, but I went back to my speech coach, who I learned from my grandma, because they're really good friends. And my speech coach and I started working on things that I knew I had to work on with my voice. When I was younger, I had a speech disorder, and last year, I guess like it also still kind of was there, and I couldn't pronounce my TH as well. When I say the word sixth, I used to say it like S-I-S-F. So, and it's interesting because how my speech teacher broke it say down. Say it now. Sixth. 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 Yeah. Just say it in a regular sentence. I want to hear something. I, I feel like I heard something. Good. Say, say something in that you would do the TH in a regular sentence. Let me hear. Welcome back to the top of the sixth inning and the Seawolves and the Rubber Ducks are tied 2-2 two two here at Canal Park. I sound like a broadcaster there. Oh, you, you have to flip it on. You got to flip it on and off. Uh, yeah. Do you have a catchphrase that is your home run catchphrase? Like, you know, uh, um, John Sterling has, in, oh, hey, Bob, from A-Rod. <laughs> you know, do you have your own thing? Because that's really important, no? It's not as important as you might think. You could just kind of say it's gone and then it's fine. But my original phrase was Yala by baseball. Because people say goodbye baseball, adios pelota. But in Hebrew, Yala means let's go. And it's also the same way you say in Arabic. So I'm like, hey, Yala by baseball. And I was using that when I was professional last year. And all the players were really confuddled by it. And MLB.com, who takes clips from these prospects hitting home runs, they wouldn't use me because they're like, what the heck is that? No one understood it. And it doesn't matter if I try to explain it because most people aren't listening. Once to Once you have game. to explain, it's over. Yeah. Once you have to do that, so you, you know, you, you 
brush that on yeah, the table. Yeah, put on the back burner. Maybe if I get up to the big leagues, then I'll bring yeah, it back. I, I, I don't know if I would use that either. I would probably want to use something that people can do. But let me hear you do that in a sense. Let me see. Can you do that? Yeah. Like, again, again I, I, and I'm closing my eyes because I'm trying to envision whatever you're going to broadcast. But use that in a, in, a, in a play call. Let me hear how you would do it. Sure. And I practice this a lot of the time, so maybe it's a little bit of bias, but... And the 1-1 one, one from Tanner Bybee. The pitch. Gage working swings. It's high. It's far. It's out of here and out of sight. It's a two-run bomb from Workman. His 17th of the season. The Seawolves take a 3-2 lead. I didn't hear the 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 Jewish thing. Well, I, I, I was... That's why I have the new one, the out of here, the out of sight. The out of here, out of sight. Okay, I wanted you. I wanted to hear oh, how that one sounded. Okay. But you said Tanner Beebe. He's the uh, Cleveland's Indians prospect. Yes. He's really good. Yeah. You think he's going to get called up this year? I think he will. Yeah, they have another guy, too, uh, Gavin Williams. Williams, yes, and Daniel really Spino. He's always getting hurt. Yeah, he is. His shoulder, but he is, If oh, listen, if Daniel Spino stays healthy and he didn't have any injury, I think he is the number one prospect and, you know, you got Andrew Painter, you have Grayson Rodriguez, mm-hmm. but in my opinion, I believe that Daniel Espino is the number one pitching prospect if he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, I would agree with you. And there was even some thought, and it wasn't me who said this, it was actually my co-broadcaster, and he said he might be on the Phantom IL last year. Maybe they were even trying to just tweak out some stuff. He might not even had a real injury. So you, you, you're more privy to something like that. I wouldn't be as just a spectator, and that's out off the scenes. You're in there. You're dealing with minor league players. Is that something that actually happens to Phantom DL just so they don't use his arm up? That was the only time I heard about it, but I wouldn't be surprised. What you mean is, but by saying, for people that don't know, what you maybe mean is we're going to fake an injury. So he doesn't use up his innings, his arms, because these guys are fragile. The yeah, Tommy John surgery could happen in one pitch. Obviously, we see what happens. And especially Espino, he's not that big of a guy. I'm not saying he's, he's six foot, but yeah. he's not, you know. He's undersized for a pitcher still. For undersized for a pitcher. You got Gavin Williams, who we were just talking about, is six foot six. Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew Painter is six foot seven. Yuri Perez is six eight. Um, so, yeah, so he, he's still. Small in, in these t- kind of standards, but you think that that could be the case? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he is absolutely dynamite, without a doubt. Who do you think is going to be? Give me your. Who do you think is going to be the MVP of the National League this year and the uh, American League? I would say the American League. I think it's going to go back to Otani. I think he's just too good, and unless someone has a record-breaking season again, like Judge did. If he still is able to hold up as a two-way player, which no one really seems why not, besides the obvious risk of, oh, that's very detrimental to his body, then he should win it. And then in the National League, I think either Ronald Cunha Jr. or Fernando Tatis Jr. have something to prove. Tatis is the best player in baseball. He really can. Yeah, he, he is the, you know, again, injuries. And PDs. Well, you know, when I was your age, or maybe a little bit older, 25, 26, I went through the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, the nine, you know, that 90, was it 98 season? Yeah. And they were hitting home runs, 60, 71 home runs. And they were taking real steroids. We're talking about shooting in your ass, you know, horse steroids. Fernando Tatis, from what I read, was more of a an ointment to heal his body more. And it's not one of those that you injected. I mean, the guy's a buck fifty. 
Six three and a buck fifty. He's not a guy that looks like Mark McGuire that could take the baseball bat and slam it over his, you know, kneecap in about, you know, two seconds. He's a very skinny guy. When you when you think steroids, especially in the ninety eight era, you would think of these guys that are building muscle mass a muscle mass that could hit the ball five hundred feet. But it's not like that. You know, Tatis was a little different. You know, he wasn't injecting it. It was more for recovery time, and I don't think he knew I don't know. I, I I don't know. What do you think? You think that he was intentionally taking steroids to get a, you know an advantage? I think he was just because the reports about him were conflicting. But I think with these new PEDs that they had pretty much since the 2010s, I think there is a problem. I think that in these countries, like the Dominican Republic, when it's not as organized with prescription medication as it is in the U.S., they thinking like, oh, something's not well, I'm going to take this medication, and ups, it has something that has a PED in there. But the thing is, they have trainers. They have people in the major league front offices or just someone they can reach out to and say, hey, I'm putting this in my body. Is this okay? And them not taking the liberty to do that not it only impacts themselves, their career, their legacy, but also their team too because you look at last season, maybe the Padres would have gone to the World Series over the Phillies had they had Tatis Jr., it's already not great when you're trying to chase the Dodgers that the Padres don't have Tatis Jr. for 20 games. Yeah, I agree. And he wasn't responsible enough. And then he had the motorcycle incident. Yeah. Which was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, you're this type of player. Just signed for like $300 million. Julio Rodriguez, Acuna, or Tatis? If you had to pick one to start your team, who is it? I think I'd still go with Tatis Jr. I agree with you. I think he does have the best power, speed threat in baseball. Yes. And I guess if you want to talk in terms of defense, though, it's probably Julio Rodriguez because Tatis Jr. is going to that new position, probably right field, and he's not going to be good there. You don't think so? He was talking about the other day that he wants to play center. He said that, you know, you know because they're going to move Soto over to, I believe, left field. Mm-hmm. Or, or, yeah, left field. and Trent Risham? Maybe he'll be there. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But let's go to the Mets real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rival, crossover yeah. town. They get Verlander. They have Scherzer. Mm-hmm. They got rid of DeGrom. I mean, they got a good team. Do you think that they have a chance? Or do you think that they're one of the you know top five teams in all of baseball? I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of risk, though, when you have two pitchers over in their late 30s and Justin Verlander and Matt Scherzer. And I think they are slowing down a little bit. And that's a lot because Justin Verlander just won the Cy Underworld, his third one. So it's tough to say that, but at the same time, he only threw 175 innings last year. He's not the workhorse he used to be. It's it's probably going to be less this year. Scherzer probably won't hit 200 innings again. He got hurt last year, too, Scherzer, yeah, for did. a while. Mm-hmm. Who's there? They have Scherzer. They have um, Verlander. Kodai Sengai. Yes, the new pitcher yep. coming over from Japan. Yep. Right? Have you seen him pitch yet? Well, he has something called a ghost forkball. A ghost forkball. <laughs> now, if Can you, you don't explain, know, describe yeah. that. I know what a forkball is, but the ghost is, what is that? I guess it's like a disappearing act because now you see it, now you don't, and the batter just swings on top of the baseball, and then it's just out of the zone. Are we allowed to go on Twitter and play a video without the sound on Twitter? Yeah, it depends on like who made it, basically. So if it's from like the player or something, I it's gonna be from the minor league system, right? Oh, whatever, Japan. It's gonna be from Japan. Uh, let me look, and I'll let you know. I don't even know how to spell the guy. Do you know how to spell his name? Yeah, it's a K O. 
Hold yeah. on, let him get on. Let him get on Twitter first, and yeah, once you look it up on Twitter, and then you go to videos, they'll all pop up there. I looked up pitching ninja. Hey, actually, you know what? I can do it here. So, t- what is it? I'll t- whatever I type, I can get to him. What is it? K O K O D A I, and then his last name is S A N or E N. My bad. G A. Okay. I think that's it, right? S A E N G A. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, so he's supposed to be really good, but he's thirty years old. Yeah, so he's not—he's not a young buck. No. So he's got—they got three guys that are over thirty. Diaz is the best closer in the game, right? I agree. Would you agree? Yes. Um, best yeah, song too. What you say? Best song. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's amazing. What are you expecting? So give me some—give me some of your predictions for this year going into two thousand and twenty-three. I think the Mets win the NL East. I think that's already big to say because of the Phillies making the World Series and the Braves edging them out last year. But I don't think the Mets are going to go to the World Series still. I don't know why. Maybe it's because they need more pieces with their bats. Well, who do you think is going to beat them? The, you got the Dodgers over there. You have the, uh, you know, the Padres. You know, even the Cardinals could definitely do something. Yeah, sure, their rotation is fragile for sure. But their hitting—that has been probably their best hitting that they're coming into this year. Nolan Arenado is a beast. Yeah, he's just plug him in. Thirty-five home runs, hundred RBIs. You know, as a broadcaster. And as a 22-year-old, do you say RBI or do you say RBIs? You, like, the do you correct say, term is RBI. That is the correct, but mm-hmm. for, you know, all the way up until, I would say, probably the early 2000s, somewhere along the line, someone said RBI, and it would drive me crazy. I couldn't stand it, because I'm 95 RBIs, yeah. 93 RBIs. It just, it just flows around, and then it became 92 RBI. I'd rather have the RBIs. You got it? So I could show you, but I'm not going to play it on the screen because it is like a minor league, like official broadcast thing. But I could show you guys if you want. That's okay. So you can see it. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it then. <laughs> you don't want to know what it is? Nah, I got to play it. You don't have to play it on. Yeah, I guess just play it and we'll just put it on. Uh, let's see what he's got here. So you can already tell by the angle. It starts high in the zone. That's his fastball. And then a fourth. Just ball. play it. You can play it on that screen there. It's no sound. I don't think that. And we're just and we're doing it. It's uh, and we. You know what we're doing? Commentary. We're, we're commentary. Yeah. Yeah. So we would be under the Fair Use Act. Let me see here. So this is again. This is Kodai Sayenga. Sanga. Yeah. All right. Let's see it. That's his fastball clocked at eight. Whatever. The, well, there it is. Yeah. Just a nasty pitch. Dives oh, look at the that. Zone. You see the overlay. Same tunnel. From both ends, goes to the high heater to get strike two, and then changes eye levels with the pitch in the dirt in front of the plate. Look at you. Yeah. Look at you. Are you practicing every day? So it's interesting because, and we, we should talk about Thanks, at Eric. some point good. about the trip to South Africa. I'm, I'm definitely oh, going yeah. to talk about that. So, yeah, get back to that. But what I got from there is uh, not only these experiences, which I'll dive into, but I also got a couple of books from there. And before I start out, with the job of the Valley Cats. And I also, on March 1st, I'm also going to go to Florida and sell baseball memorabilia and spring training for a few weeks. Be careful with that word. That's a tough word to say. Go ahead. Memorabilia. You said it right, but I'm saying, I was like, oh, man, that's a tough word to say as soon as you said it, but you said it right. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I have a couple of books I want to finish reading and then kind of just incorporate this into everyday life. But When you say books, is it books from Africa that you got? No, I actually have one in my bag, if you don't mind me getting it. I, I don't mind. Have, yeah. I just know, like, my face... This isn't in a uh, concentration camp in China. 
Let's here we see go. what you got here. Let's see here. How to bang a girl in Tel Aviv. Ten easy steps. Ten easy steps. Body wisdom, the use and training of the human body by Arthur Lessek. Okay. And tell me a bit about this book. What is this all about? Yeah. So Arthur Lessek is the founder of the Lessek Research Institute. And, well, actually, I think it was this other guy named Richard Lessack, but he was the one who really came up with this idea that your voice comes from your body, your breath, your kind of inner being, like in a, in a spiritual way as well. And he actually, a lot of his theories are kind of predated to being proven scientifically about what helps you become a better speaker. And when I went to South Africa, not only was it an amazing experience and... I got to make so many friends. Everyone in the program was so close to each other and just being in a whole new continent, of course. But it was also just really spiritual as well and just trying to think of like, okay, it was a journey because at first I'm like, this is mostly meant for actors. And I know that there's some similarities between acting and broadcasting. You have to almost act on air, of course. But a lot of these are like weird theater exercises. There's something called a pleasure sigh where you're like, you take a breath in you think it's something that you that smells nice. You take a pleasure smell, and then you sigh it. You're like, huh. And it sounds like a moan. And the first day, they do that for an hour straight. And I'm like, why the heck am I here? How is this going to help me for broadcasting? But being in tune with your breath and your body and knowing that relationship and trying not to have this mentality of I have to work my ass off to get where I am. And like, no, like, you know. Let's be friendlier to ourselves. Let's be kinder to ourselves. That really hit me the second week of the three-week intensive, and it was eight hours a day of doing stuff like this. How much was this program, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, Did your dad pay for it? It was actually my grandma. Okay, so there you go. So then you don't care how much telling me. How much was it? It was $3,000. $3,000, and that includes the airfare or no? No, it doesn't include the airfare. It doesn't include the uh, apartment flat that I lived at, and it doesn't include the food that I had to buy either. How was, is, is South Africa or Africa? South Africa. South Africa. How was that there? Was it, you know, because there's a lot of crazy stuff happening in oh, South yeah. Africa. No, you apparently you can't have your phone out when you walk in the street. Someone will take your phone. You can't have AirPods in either. And at night, if so you wear- So you're walking down the street, they're telling you do not put AirPods in your ears or somebody's going to come and take them off of yeah. your ear. That is crazy. Yeah. And there, I've also heard stories, and I just heard this from one person. I don't know if it's really true or not. Maybe it's just an old maid's tale or something like that. But he said if you wear jewelry at night and someone literally wants it, they'll cut off your finger just to take the jewelry. If you're oh, not, come on. Just take, take it. Yeah, here. just take it. I don't need this. I, don't, I want the finger. Take the jewelry yeah. and come back tomorrow, and I'll have three more pieces of jewelry for right? you for free. Yeah. Just leave the finger. Yeah, we don't want three-finger Mordecai Brown over here. Yeah, yeah, that's no good. <laughs> I don't want to do that at all. So, um, but again, South Africa, walking around, I mean, you were there for three weeks, you yeah. said? Did you love it? Yeah, I, I loved it. It was it was a great time. I, I really How are they with COVID? They were, they were fine with COVID. Like, it's just, I mean, they're doing just fine there now. Like, no one wears a mask or anything like that. I mean, were there restrictions? You know, so there was no mask restrictions or anything like that. So it actually freaked me out because it was terrible. On Christmas Day, I go see a movie with my family. I'm blanking which one it is right now. Oh, it's the second Avatar movie. And I go and see it with them. And on the way there, I left my wallet on the bus. And that's like a week before I go to South Africa. With your ID. Yeah, with my ID, with my COVID vaccination card. Oh. And I was worried, sit that like, oh, if I... Maybe I won't be able to fly in. 
but I'd go in anyway. Did you have to be vaccinated to enter into the um, South Africa? So if I was, my layover was in Kenya. If I had to just go to Kenya, then I would have had to bring my vaccine card. But since I'm going to South Africa, I didn't need it. Okay. Which is really kind of odd. Yeah, kind of odd. Yeah. So I was lucky. Kenya, they want the vaccine card. Yeah. Kenya. Maybe they have stricter COVID laws, I guess. Kenya. Yeah. If you go to Kenya, you got to make sure you're fully vaxxed or you're not coming in here. Exactly. Interesting. Right. Okay. So how did you find your wallet? I, I never did. So I had to... I Emergency was, DMV? Yeah. And I didn't even get my ID back in time. It just kind of went back home. But I had my passport with me. So that's which, great. All the things I told you about South Africa, I want to be carrying my passport all around. But luckily, they were fine with checking your ID if you had a picture of it on your phone, though. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, totally couldn't happen here. So, what do you see yourself in in a few, like, you know, do you have a game plan? Do you sit there and say, hey, listen, okay, I'm at this affiliate right now. This is where I'm at my job. And I see myself, I have. I set goals that I want to be somewhere at a certain period. Where, do you do that? Yeah. So, I Just have to... get a little closer to that mic. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, pull, I'm it, used, pull it, pull it. Yeah. Pull I'm it. used to it with like No, no, baseball. you pushed it. Pull. Thank there you. There you Appreciate go. it. Yeah. See, I'm more used to it with like, a ba- like baseball because I just have the headsets. Yeah. I'm not used to like this very nice podcast setup that you got going yeah, but on. But you here. see how different now you sound? You sound so much louder. Appreciate you. Okay. So go ahead. So do you have a game plan on how you want to do things? So I have two game plans. One's kind of, I want it to happen. We'll see where it goes. But I'd love to take John Sterling's place one day as a Yankees radio broadcaster. You think he's going to die soon? I hope not. I like him. I hope that he's able to kind of go long enough where I can kind of just swoop in. And you and Suzanne Wolman? Yeah. Well, she's still around too, I guess. Do you know her famous call? I, does she have a famous call? She has it when somebody got introduced. Do you remember what I'm talking about? <sighs> somebody so. came back out of retirement, Roger Clemens, mm-hmm. and she said, My goodness gracious! Do you remember that one? Do you, know, you never heard of that? I was seven at the time. I was barely getting the baseball. Yeah, I know, but they played all of the time. Are you in, do you play fantasy baseball? A little bit, but not not in a while. You have to get into. You're already, you're a sports broadcaster, <laughs> and you're not into fantasy baseball. I used to play when I was younger, but not in a few years. Oh, you got to get into that. That's one of your things that you got to do. That you know, you start getting some contacts going, and keeps you up to date on what's going on. In my <laughs> opinion, you got to do it. Um, all right, so let me ask you this though, too, about baseball broadcasting. Is it lucrative? So no, that's where kind of my second plan comes in. For and I'll be honest about this with the Valley Cats this year. They're a reasonable salary for entry level, but that reasonable salary is minimum wage. And a lot of, even last year at the Seawolves, I got paid a thousand a month, seventy seventy seven seven three after taxes, and a month. Yeah, and I had to go out and find my own place, and I lost money. Luckily, because I was still in college, my dad was able to kind of swoop in and help me pay the rest of it, which is great. But now that I'm on my own, or going to be on my own very soon, it's all falling on me. But there's two good things kind of happening for me. Actually, three things. One, I didn't gra- I didn't graduate with any student debt. My dad said goat. He's awesome. He paid for my entire Oh, college. you are lucky. Yeah. That wasn't my luck. Yeah. I mean, luckily I got, I was good enough as a student in high school, and I was a good student in college that I got half of my tuition slashed okay. because of grades and all that. But at the same time, I, cu- I wouldn't be here where I'm at with my dad. I couldn't be at all these internships without my dad because he helped pay and support me for those times. So this also allowed me to save up. And I saved up with about $6,000 leaving college. And then I have my bar mitzvah money. Now, I know I've talked a lot about Jews here, but Jews a lot of times do this. They'll have these bar mitzvahs or bat mitzvahs when they're 13, become a man or a woman, bat mitzvah for women, and bar mitzvah for men. And people will donate. Bar and bar? Yeah. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. And if you have uh, two at the same time, it's called B'nai Mitzvah. Oh, look at that. Yeah. You want something are, are you, do you have to marry a Jew? No, I do not. Is that something that you want to do? It's slightly my preference because in Israel, if you have a Jewish mother, you're allowed to be an Israeli citizen. But Really? Yeah. But not a Jewish father. Not a Jewish father. You have to have a Jewish mother. Yeah. Is your mother Jewish? Yes. All right. So you're but my is- kid's mother. If she's not Jewish, then my kid cannot be one day, cannot be an Israeli citizen. Is that something that is important to you? Not that important. But if they had that option, I'd like that. Okay. Yes, you would like that. You didn't celebrate Christmas growing up. <laughs> so my my biological mom, and my dad are, are divorced, and my mom is converted from Judaism to Buddhism. And my mom also remarried to a gay woman, so she's a lesbian. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Your biological mother. Yes. And your biological dad. Yep. Were together for how long? They were together for 15 years. How old were you when they parted the seas? Uh, I was four. Four? Four or five, yeah. Okay. So your mother leaves, Mm -hmm. and you stay with your father. No, I split time between both places. Okay. When did you start seeing something different happening with your mother? Like, not a boyfriend coming over, but a girlfriend. Almost three months after they got divorced, she had this girlfriend named Gail for six months. And then a few months later, she uh, was with this woman named Nina. And they've been together since uh, literally the date in between their birthdays of uh, since 2006. My mom's birthday, my biological mom, I gotta clarify of these things. Her birthday's on New Year's Day. Her wife's birthday's on December 30th. They met on December 31st of 2006, and they've been together ever since. How is that with you? Just, you know, I, I'm just, I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. How, how is that, you know, you go over to your mom's house and there's another girl there and they're hanging out. Are they kissing each other? No. They don't make out in front of you? No. Okay. Um, I'm not saying that that yeah, would yeah, no, be yeah. whatever, but they just choose not to do that. Um, how did that make you feel growing up having, you know, because it's, 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 it's different today than it is, say, when I was younger. Yeah. So I don't know anything really about that when mm-hmm. I was growing up, and I don't know how that would be and how that would be looked upon. Did you get a lot of slack for that in school, or was that something that was accepted by then? It was accepted by then. I, I think it wasn't accepted when I was in third grade, and I'd make excuse about my homework because I would, had to bring my bag, and you see this big bag that I lugged over here. And I would bring a type of bag like that from my dad's place to my mom's place every night. Oh, because you were switching clothes. Yeah. So you had your clothes there and everything like that. Yeah. And but was it but but was it odd going to your mother's with another female there at all? But I accepted her. Like she just became family. I've always been a very compassionate, family-oriented person. So did she leave your father, or did your father leave her? She left my dad for another woman. Yeah. So I kind of like Ross from Friends. Yeah, I, I have to tell you something, though. If I'm, as a man, I'd rather be left for another woman than another man. Oh, I, yeah, I agree with you there. Because there's no competition. There's nothing. It's, it's over. Yeah. I can't compete with the girl, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? There's no competition. That's it. So you went to the other team. You, know, you went from baseball to football, and then that's it. You're done, and that's the end of it. So, yeah. How did your father take that? I think he took it a little bit tough because he's not, again, he's not someone that shows a lot of emotions. He's very passive, but he's someone who still feels very deeply. And he's someone that if she had not broken up with him through thick and thin, he probably would have stayed with her for the rest of his life. Yeah. But then he remarried to my stepmother, who's a rabbi, and they met in 2008. They were together for 10 years. My dad and her divorced in 2018. 
And I think six months later, he was with this New Zealand woman, and now they got married last year. Oh, he's look at him rocking and rolling. Yeah, so he gets right in. Yeah, he gets traded right on the <laughs> team, fits right in, bats clean up, and here we go. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, there we go. I also grew up an only child too, and then they've been together since 2018, as I mentioned. My sister at the time was 11, and we just kind of hit it off. And I've been calling her my sister ever since. And she's been calling me her brother ever, ever since. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So let's go. I, I want to just real quick here, before we start closing out, I want to go around the diamond a little. Yeah. And you tell me who the best players are at each position. So let's start at catcher. Who do you think the best catcher is in the major leagues? JT Realmuto. Who would you say is the second best? Probably already Adley Rutschman. Yes. He's my favorite. I love him. He, he could be the best natural, yeah, He could be. Natural swing. Love it. All right. Let's go to first base. Who's the best first baseman? Who would you want to start your team? This is you, young team, you're getting it, whatever. Young doesn't even matter. But who do you think the best first baseman in, in both leagues are? Uh, Freddie Freeman for the National League. In the American League, that's a little bit more tough. There's not really as many good first basemen in the American League. I know, like, the first one I'm thinking of is Jose Abreu and obviously Anthony Rizzo for the Yankees. But they don't feel like they're the some of the best first basemen. They feel like. There are other ones out there. I think the best, especially because his age, I believe he's only 23 years old, is Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah. That would, hitting that would tool. Do, do you think he's a better hitter than Tatis? Just hitting, straight up hitting. Yeah. Not all five. Not a five-tool player. I think he's a better pure hitter. You do? I don't think anyone's better than Fernando Tatis. I think he's the best hitter. I think, he can, I think he's the only player. Well, you got O'Neill Cruz, who could go 40-40. He may bat 190. But he could go for it. You know who O'Neill Cruz is? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I know, I know. You didn't give me the, you didn't give me the, you know, thing. Okay, so we got first base. You say it's Freddie Freeman and maybe Anthony Rizzo, whatever. I don't think Anthony Rizzo at all. I think he's done. Um, all right, so second base, who would you take? Who do you want on your team? Don't give me the American. Just give me one player. Jose Altuve. Really? You know, even after the scandal, if you look at some of these baseball videos, he was someone that did not partake in it. And they have tracking of it, and he did not partake in it either. And I always liked him too, because I'm like, hey, he's five six, I'm five three. I like this guy. Yeah, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're rooting for that. What about what about over at shortstop? Tatis. Tatis, but he's going to go to the outfield this year. So if you had to take another guy, who would it be? Trey Turner. Yes, a hundred percent. Great stolen bases. He's like basically another Fernando Tatis type player. Third base. Jose Ramirez. Yes. Do you know that he went down to the minors on four or five times, got sent down? It wasn't until he was around 26, 27 years old that he really started hitting? Yeah, I heard about that. Now he could be on a Hall of Fame trajectory. or trajectory. Yeah, I think so, too. I think he's definitely the best third baseman. And give me the three best outfielders. It doesn't matter what position they are, left, right, center, it don't matter. Who would you take as the three outfielders? So I guess this is where Tatis Jr. comes in, and then it'd be Trout and Judge. Do you think Trout is the best player in baseball if he didn't get hurt? He had 40 home runs last year and I believe like 119 games. I still think that honor belongs to Otani because no one's doing what he does. Now, I think if you even look at yeah, last year and a Trout didn't get hurt, it's probably Otani judged Trout just for that year alone. And Trout's the best player since the 2010s, for sure. But he's starting to get older and he's starting to be broken down a little bit more. I didn't hear you say anything about Bryce Hopper at all. Hopper's well, great, but... He's also injured right now, so maybe that's why I didn't think of him first. And yeah, he's coming back like, in July. Yeah, and I think right. he just doesn't have the raw tools like Trout, 
Judge or Tatis Jr. does. Yeah, no, I agree. He has um, he he's a he's, he produces the numbers, but not an overall game like say an Acuna or say a Tatis. Just like you said, I agree. Fred, Freddie Freeman, he's phenomenal too, though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who do you think is the best coach in the league? That's a tough one. Or manager, should I say? Yeah, manager. Who would you want as your manager? Who do you think is the best? Who do you think is the best all time? Best all time, probably Casey Stengel or Joe Torre. Obviously biased there. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, I was gonna say obviously. You know who was also great too is um was uh, Johnson. Who's the, the Mets in the '86? Uh, not Howard. David Johnson. Johnson. David Johnson. He was a great manager. Buck Showalter is a great manager too, by the way. Yeah, I think Johnson was one of the few players at 40 home runs and then also become a manager too. Yeah, he he was I thought he was phenomenal cuz then he went over to the Baltimore Orioles, I believe. I think it was, you're right, yeah. And he had them he turned them around. Same thing with Buck Walter. He did that and I you know, I liked him. Um Yeah, I, I agree. Joe Torre was just phenomenal what he did with that Yankee team was you know, especially in 98, what they did. And he was on the hot seat in 96 too. He was. Yes. Are you a Don Manningly guy? I like him, yeah, of course. Who doesn't? You were a little younger. Yeah. Yeah, he was my favorite. He's my favorite Yankee of all time. Your your favorite Yankee of all time, you said, is A Rod. Well, not anymore. Now it's Jeter. Jeter. It it is Jeter now. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel about Aaron Judge? Love the guy. Love him. I'm glad he's captain. I think that's an honor well deserved. I think he will own up to that title. But, of course, you have to be worried of that big body of his and him being in his age 31 season. If you had to give me your. Game one, two, three, and four starters of the World Series. You can take any pitcher in, in Major League Baseball. Who's starting for you game one, two, three, and four? Jacob DeGrom, game one. So he's the best healthy. And, and let's just let's just all assume that whatever whoever we're talking about is 100% healthy. Yeah. So don't use injuries or anything like that when you're making this analysis. Mm-hmm. So Jacob DeGrom, number one. You got to give him to him because, I mean, the guy's just killer. The ERA, the strikeouts, he'll pitch a full game, right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, I agree with you with that. So, Jacob DeGrom, game one. Game two. You know what? If I have to guess, then I wouldn't put Justin Verlander in because he's not as great in the postseason. But I will put in someone untested in the postseason, though, and I would say Cindy Alcantara. Yes. Miami. Had a great Cy, you know. He was the he's the Cy Young Award winner mm-hmm. in the National League. I love him too. I think he's great. Same thing with Clayton Kershaw. You know, great in season, regular season pitcher gets into the postseason. Something happens to him. Yeah. You know, you would have to say maybe Clayton Kershaw is probably one of the best regular season pitchers of all time. Oh, for sure, a hundred percent. Maybe even the best since ever. Twenty tens. Yes. Least, yeah, one of the best ever too. You know, Pedro Martinez was great. Yeah. That's why I didn't say 2000s. Yeah, Randy Johnson. Phenomenal. So, okay, so now we're at game one. We have DeGrom. Mm-hmm. Game two, you said Sandy? Yeah. Game three. Justin Verlander. Not Verlander. I was going to say Matt Scherzer. That's what it was. Max Scherzer. Phenomenal. 100%. Same thing. Strikes out 11 guys. Nine. He can give you the nine innings. Healthy. Who's your game four now? Probably the bias comes in again, but maybe Garrett Cole. <sighs> He's good. He's good. I forgot about Garrett Cole, but I think you. I think you did it great. I don't think. I don't think he's number three. I don't think he's number two. He could be that number four guy. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. But you didn't say. You know what's funny? So this is what you did here. Now think about this. Mm-hmm. I gave you a choice on every position on the diamond, 
and including pitchers one, two, three, and four. You know who you didn't say at all? Otani. Otani. That's true. I mean, because he's not the best hitter, he's not the best pitcher. He's up there in both, top 10 in both probably. But the fact that you could sit there and watch a guy hit 30 home runs and then strike out 10 guys the next night is something that we really, is so novel, mm-hmm. right? So you sit there and say, you have to be an elite athlete, an elite player to one night pitch a nine-inning game, you know, nine-inning shutout, and then a complete game shutout, and then next night hit two home runs and two stolen bases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I agree. I, you know, he, but he is a top pitcher. Yeah. If you would have gave me number four for him, I don't think there would have been too much of an argument there mm-hmm. at all. Sandy Alcantara, though, you know, he hasn't really proven it too, too much. But he's right up there, too. You got Dylan Sees. He's phenomenal, you know, too. Um, yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot of young pitchers coming up that have those big-time arms. But injuries are always, you know, with these pitchers. You know, Walker Bueller, but then he got Tommy John surgery. You always have to watch out for that. Let's go to your website here, right? So you have that mm-hmm. website. And again, what is your website? It's adamcohensports.com. Adam Cohen, spelled C-O-H-E-N, sports.com. Let's pop that up. Let's take a look at that. So tell us a little bit about this website. So, again, I should There it is. Yeah. <laughs> there are qualifications. Number two broadcaster for AA Erie, professional journalist. Holy, look at this with no glasses on, Eric. Look at this. Can you believe this? Look at this. <laughs> Hosted pregame and postgame shows in AA. Wrote game recaps for Erie. So tell me a little bit about this website. Yeah. So, again, I should mention the name drop the person who really helped me out with this. And, again, that was my co-broadcaster with the Erie Seawolves, Greg Gagne. And he said when you're applying for jobs next year, because he said I wouldn't be back with the Seawolves, it wasn't his decision. He would have had me back. Team president would have had me back. But... Uh, it was the owner's call at the very end, and nothing that against him. He just wanted to go with kind of more experienced talent for next year. But he said, when you applied at these places, you got to put your resume on there, you got to put your demo reel on there. And I also, if you have uh, my documentary about I made about the Seawolves last year, if you scroll below, I interviewed four players, including that pitcher, Wilmer Flores, I talked about, and I did that in Spanish as well. You can speak Spanish? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay, I've just started to learn. I just got an app to teach myself Spanish. It's yeah. funny that you said that. So you get, did you te- are you self-taught? No, no, I took uh, Spanish in high school. I took Spanish in college. I, was gonna Spanish think, I, I thought you were going to say I took Spanish in Israel. <laughs> I said, took Hebrew in Israel. Yeah, Hebrew in Israel, of course. So let me, um, you have a, you, do you have your resume, not your resume, do you have your... Um, demo reel? Yes, demo. Yeah, if you go down, it's on the second one. A little bit up from the Foras video. That audio. Yeah. Right there. Mm-hmm. Can we, you, you yeah, mind me play? Yeah, of course. All right, let's see what we got. Is it on SoundCloud? Yep. All right, let's hear it. Gavin Williams has been brilliant tonight. Four shutout frames were tied 0-0 between Erie and Akron. We're head into the bottom of the fifth. Dylan Dinger leading things off. Williams winds and deals. Delivers a fastball at belt level. For strike one. Dingler threw out to right his last time up. Williams stares in and delivers. Fastball. Dingler able to hold up. It's a one on one count. Dingler waves his bat around a couple of times, rests it just above his shoulder. The one one. Fastball popped up, goes right behind the plate. 
All right, that's good. So is that something that you have to learn how to do those little things, you know, because you want you don't want the dead silence, you know. You actually have a little bit, though. You can have a little bit of dead silence, but again, I'm a work in progress. You can see there, I could have better flow. I could probably add in a little bit more, and that's something that I want to bring into the season. And my trip to South Africa really taught me, okay, since I have something that a little bit of a problem speaking sometimes, which is tough as a broadcaster, puts me at a disadvantage at times. What do I do? Well, I have to focus on something I learned from there called consonant energy, where you kind of focus more on just pronouncing consonants and slowing things down, of course, and that's going to help me. Or even just if I'm feeling nervous before the game, and I don't really feel nervous anymore, but maybe it's a sluggish game. It's like, how do I kind of twist that around so I feel more energetic, so I can keep up this good flow that I'm having? I mean, because it could be, you know, at times, and everybody says it, that's why baseball ratings isn't, say, the same kind of ratings mm. like, as in basketball or football, because the game is a slow-progressing game. But what I liked about what you said, you know, you said shoulders, leaning on the bat, you know, bat leaning on the shoulder, this and that. You have to describe those intricacies to people that, you know, are basically listening to the game. I love listening, excuse me, to baseball on the radio. Are you doing, is this TV broadcasting or is this radio broadcasting? So this is something called simulcast and it's throughout the entire minors. It's what I'm going to be doing for the Valley Cats this upcoming season and that means that it's going to be broadcasted both on TV and on radio and because of that you have to speak in a radio voice. I mean you have to be more descriptive to say what that the um, viewer who's listening on the radio wouldn't see. What is your radio voice? Let me. Do you have a radio voice? Do you turn it like you said? You turn it on. Yeah. Is there something that you do to make it sound more radio? Yeah. So what I try to do is I. One of the things I learned from this course is something called a Y buzz, and it's kind of like deals with facial forwardness. And I'll do a Y buzz for you. It's like you. Like it's it, it's humming. It's resonating, and that's where the range that I try to be at. And then at the same time, I'll try to focus more on my consonants. I'll try to not be monotone. And I'll try to really get hyped up when big things are happening. And at the same time, insert my thoughts and also the information I have regarding these players. And do, when, when you are doing that, is that something that now is starting to come natural? Or is it something that while you're there watching the game that you have to constantly say to yourself, watch your consonants, watch your, you know, watch your tone, make sure you have a pitch, sound more enthusiastic. Hey, you know what, Adam, that call right there, do you say to yourself, that call right there was you know, not that good? Because what I was trying to say is baseball could be boring at times. Oh, yeah. And you can start falling asleep. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you have to do, you have to make it. Do you give, do they give you leeway in between pitches to, you know, talk and have a little color commentary type thing and, yeah. and, and have a little bit of flavor and say, hey, you know, to your, you have a co-host, right? Well, with the Valley Cats, I don't. You're talking the whole time by yourself? Yeah. Oh, God. It's and crazy. this one, too, because... My co-broadcaster to let me to train me that way. He would leave the broadcast booth, so he wouldn't say anything on color commentary when I had my three innings of play-by-play during the middle innings. So it'd be all me. Great practice because now I'm going to be doing that all the time, and you just have to get used to it. And that's why you're going to see pauses like that in between pitches where there's dead silence, and that's okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be bringing everything out. So I taught, I was learning this thing in Israel, <laughs> and you know, the two two. You know, I, you know, I don't know how I would do it. But how do people follow you on social media? Are you on social media? Yeah. So on Twitter, it's Adam Cohen AJC, and that's my Twitter handle. And then Instagram is Adam underscore Cohen nineteen oh three. Adam Cohen underscore nineteen. Adam underscore Cohen nineteen oh three. 
1903. That, yeah. Is that the first World Series yeah. that you learned? <laughs> you son of a gun. Hey, look at you. Um, are you doing anything, real quick, before I let you go here, on, say, like, TikTok or on Instagram or on Twitter that you are doing calls? Like, I, I feel like when I was doing it back in the early 2000s, you know, I went to, you know, I graduated college. It was a little late. But when I graduated sports broadcasting, it was in 1998, 99. And actually, I graduated in 2000. But I finished my broadcasting because I had to take a couple of extra classes. I did it in the summer. But there was no there's no social media. If you want to have a demo tape, I had it on a cassette tape. But you could actually have... You could keep updating your demo tape by just doing it on Instagram. You could actually do make-believe calls and do things like that and, and, make, and have fun with it. Like do things and be creative. Is this something that you ever thought of? A little bit. I mean, this is why I had the YouTube channel at one point, but I feel like the best experience is in-game experience, and if I wanted to upload something, I want it to be my best work, so I would get it from that game. I would clip it from minorleaguebaseball.com when I was with the Seawolves and all that, and then I could put that on my reel that you saw on my website, or I can find clips that I saw online where I'm broadcasting for one of the Tigers players, and then this other Twitter account would retweet it because it's one of their prospects doing well, and then that gets views, and then if I retweet it, then I get views and more recognition. So that's kind of how I try to weave it in and try to grow my brand a little bit. Obviously, New York is the mecca. You would love to be a broadcaster and do the games here in New York, whether mm -hmm. even if it's in City Field or at Yankee Stadium. But in the broadcasting community that you are in, is there another city that, you know, people are like, oh, if you get this. I, I mean, you'll take anything. You'll take Pittsburgh. You'll take Arizona, obviously, any major league team. But is there something else besides the New York, L.A. that you would love to have that you would want, you know, in a heartbeat? Well, just not trying to include Major League Baseball here, I guess one of the places would be Las Vegas. Because that one would be a really fun AAA team to broadcast for. You probably have a lot of fans and you have way more fans than at these Las Vegas games than you have at A's games. Is that because there's no major league team? Yeah. Okay. And then what would be another major league team besides the Yankees or, say, Dodgers or Mets that you'd want? Maybe the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. Great, great baseball town. They love their team. They're always competitive. Great. Love it. Absolutely. And... Um, all right. Well, listen. I mean, is there anything else? Uh, any other social media that you got? Anything else that you that maybe we haven't touched on that you want to promote? Your website, you have. You have your social media, right? And can we listen to you your games on the internet? Yeah. There's this website called Flow Baseball. Flow. Yeah. F L O. Baseball. Dot com. And I think there's a subscription you have to buy. I don't think it's cheap, unfortunately, but. I'll be broadcasting all 48 home games for the Valley Cast this year. I won't, I won't be able to travel on the road, unfortunately. Why can't? Why not? They don't let you? Yeah, they don't have it in their budget. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's not affiliated baseball, so it makes sense. Okay. And then what are you going to do besides when you're not doing that? Sit in that room and just sit there and stare at the wall like you did in <laughs> Tel Aviv? Yeah, I, I guess I could do something like that. I'll just be helping on the office, helping out with sales or press releases, but I'll probably take you on a second job after... My day job ends with them because I got to find ways to ends meet. Do you go down? Like, uh, do you have any indication that you want to maybe go down to spring training, take a look at that, and do that, and get involved in that way? Is that something that you know a lot of broadcasters do, or no? Yeah, if I if I could, I would. But right now, I'm just going down there to sell memorabilia 
for baseball for about a month or so, and I'll start that on March 1st. All right, I love it. Well, listen, Adam Cohen, you're invited on the show anytime. <laughs> Thank I you. I had a great time with you. Good luck. I love what you're doing. You're focused. You have a plan, right? What is the ultimate thing? By what year do you want to be in Major League Baseball? Realistically. Maybe 2035. Jeez. Oh, 2035. Hey, might, I hope it's sooner. Might be aliens coming down. Maybe, might, be, yeah. might be on Mars. 2035. I <laughs> thought he was going to say 20, uh, 2026. Mm. 2035. Well, hey, listen, I hope it happens, and good luck to you, brother. Thank you. All right? And with that being said, follow the Joe Coso Show on all uh, YouTube's uh, social, Spotify, Stitcher, Rumble, and Adam Cohen, man. Loved having you on, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we're out. Peace.